The Accutron Show. Accutron. It's not a timepiece. It's a conversation piece. With your host, Bill McCuddy, and contributors, Scott Alexander and David Graver. Why is there no easy, beautiful way to design outdoor spaces? Why is this not more of a thing? We've had to sort of fight to keep making it a thing and to be in that industry. The voice you heard at the top of the show was today's guest, James DeSantis. He's the co-founder of exterior design and landscaping firm Manscapers. He's also the star of the show Backyard Envy on Bravo TV. But first up, me, Bill McCuddy, along with culture writer Scott Alexander and editor David Graber, we're discussing the art of landscaping today. It's gotten to be a big deal. All that and more on this episode of The Accutron Show. Stay tuned. I'm a lousy gardener. I'm just going to say that right up Phil, front. Phil, a lot of men are uncomfortable poking around in their own backyard. I don't have a backyard. <laughs> We are talking about landscaping today with a fascinating guest, and uh, this has become a big deal. I mean, for a couple of reasons. First of all, it was – everyone had to have a pool in the backyard and a giant uh, place to play football like the Kennedys at Iannisport, and now everything's getting designed. Every square inch, every corner is becoming something. Well, now that we're spending all this time outside, like no one wants – everyone's trying to get out of their house as much as possible. People want their backyards to be really – Inhabitable. Yeah, with gyms and with yoga spaces and with uh, a stand-up comedy, maybe a maybe (laughs) a brick wall and a stand-up comedy club. Uh, They're doing it all in their backyards, and uh, these guys are doing it. And a woman are doing it uh, in New York and Los Angeles. And uh, he's on part of a show called Backyard Envy on Bravo, which, if you haven't seen it, is a lot of fun. They show up. It is. It's great. And they tear up the backyard. I find that much more appealing than the other sort of home flip house things. The Interior stuff, it just makes me feel jealous and and terrible. The backyard stuff, I feel like I can actually get out there and do, which is nice. Although they do most of it on this show. We're going to ask about anybody famous who's helped them out with some of the uh, remodeling in the backyard. But they do. it's not like those backyard do-it-yourself places where they meet you at Home Depot and take you home. It's like a hostage situation. <laughs> and then they're there for the weekend. These are actual professionals that come in and know what they're doing. And part of that is because he has a design background from the Fashion Institute and working with Ralph Lauren. And what's also fascinating is they are actually helping real designers who I guess are intimidated by doing some of this stuff themselves as well, like the rest of us. I love this trend of people getting really into their outdoor spaces. Like one of the things we saw, you know, in the pandemic was people getting really into gardening, especially for crops. Uh, It almost felt like going back to the whole idea of the victory gardens, you know, in the, in the middle of the, you know, during World War II and these other things of this sort of collective spirit of, yeah, you know what, the space is here. Let's rediscover it. Let's get out there. And backyards offer sanctuary spaces with trees and grass offers like a, a reconnection to nature when right now a lot of people are separated or at the time That's of recording, right. a lot of people are It separate. also right. allows a place to gather safely. Yeah. You are, and, and look at the re- what restaurants are doing in, in Manhattan, moving outside, trying to accommodate in any way they can uh, the, the sidewalks that were never. David, that can be your backyard. There you the, go. Re- the outdoor restaurants. <laughs> I mean, the massive backyard. outdoor restaurant, Gitano, that was at what where Tribeca and uh, Chinatown meet, actually Manscapers did. Just this lush oh, really? outdoor oh, restaurant that was designed to look like the, its equivalent in Tulum. They have taken giant like warehouses and turned them into meadows indoors. Uh, it's a, a floating meadow. They okay. suspended a mound of dirt with 1,000 botanicals. I was there actually drinking St. Germain. 
<laughs> it was for St. Germain. Bill, what's what's your favorite thing to do in the backyard? Watch Mrs. McCuddy dig and plant. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. That's, like, that's uh, my favorite thing to do, that, too. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that cease and desist order is in the mail. Um, the, uh, the, the interesting thing about uh, this is that it, it sort of sucks you in. Like, you have friends that that's there right. was this— trend for a while, like adult coloring books where people would sit down and three hours later, they would look up and not realize how much time had passed. That's what happens for my wife with uh, landscape. I had the same experience a couple of weeks ago. I built some raised beds in anticipation of the spring. I got so into my yard this year. I was like next year. So I want the earth to grow. I started reading about this stuff. I want to get the bacteria in the soil and everything else. So I built these planters and I was out there for five hours, just like you were saying. And it was the most relaxing and uh, like my mind was somewhere else. I just felt really go great easy on the tomatoes. Is my uh, is my advice. They take over an entire backyard. You have no idea how quickly they grow. But yeah, we have some raised beds too. And and again, I just look at it. I don't I don't get the the whole thing. We inherited it. It was an English garden in this house when we bought it. My wife got really interested in it. She fired the gardener after like two years. She was like, I can do this. And uh, so some people are good at it and have a sense of taste and other people I think are wildly intimidated by it because right. it's a, it's well, a it bunch of big burly years. guys who come to your house with giant earth movers and you're like, I can't do that. Or you learn to do it yourself. Like, it, uh, like I've only just started to unlock my backyard. I feel like after five years, like it took me three years to really get out there and build some trellises and start to build some beds. Whereas a lot of people do think they know what they're doing and embark upon looking at their outdoor spaces and just jam it chock full of stuff with no eye for design. And I think what James is going to talk to us about is how important it is to approach a backyard with a design sensibility and a, and a fuller vision as opposed to just tossing in a fire pit. Well, this is what I did when I first moved in. I was There was no lawn. I was like, put in a lawn. So I just had this, the whole backyard was lawn. And since then, it's just been this process of being like, well, I want a little less lawn <laughs> because I want this. And I, want I did good with lawn the lawn. Because I have this, right. <laughs> yeah. Step by baby steps. I take baby steps. You guys, as someone who lives in an apartment building, I'm definitely experiencing a little backyard envy. Oh, oh dear. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure there's a roof. Just, you know, just go up there. I do go up take there. Take a little piece of AstroTurf. <laughs> do you have a fire I escape use my roof. No, I have a bar cart. Okay. <laughs> my bar cart is my outdoor space. Well, we're going to get you a plant for that. Thank you so. A little plant on the bar cart. And, do you have uh, plants in your apartment, David? Yeah, I do. Plants are uh, like a, a pillar of what I believe um, home decor should be. Plants, personal photography, personal art. Okay. This whole concept of bringing the outdoors inside is so big right now. Every time they remodel a house in that Los Angeles show on any of those shows, they have those giant pocket doors that open up and let the whole outside come in. That's such a big – we didn't have that when we were kids. We had one sliding glass door maybe if you would. That was always a little bit off its yeah, track. That, that, so right. it was kind of <laughs> – yeah. uh, It has gone – it has come a long way since uh, – since then, and we will hear all about it with our guest today, James DeSantis, and he's coming up right after this. The world runs on Accutron time. Accutron watches since 1960, from New York City to around the world. James DeSantis, welcome to the Accutron Show. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's just start right at the beginning, because anyone who's got a show and also a company called Manscapers, uh, tell me about what a Manscaper is and, and how you've been doing that recently. 
Um, so Manscapers is my company with my two business partners that is an exclusive landscape design company. Um, and we started about seven, I guess almost eight years ago now. Um, and you know, we have our Sean Bravo backyard envy that follows our business and our lives. And yeah, we've just been, you know, designing away. Things have changed a little bit since COVID for sure, but, um, still, you know, grinding away and making homes and exteriors beautiful for all of our clients. James, I sort of want to step back in time for a second because to, to figure out how important is the study of design to what you do? I am someone who has opinions, but I don't know if that necessarily makes me a designer, even with regard to my own spaces. What makes someone a designer? What makes someone an exterior designer? And how did education factor into that? So, my background is in interior design, and so is Mel's, one of my business partners, and Garrett's background is in horticulture and landscaping um, and graphic design, actually. So we kind of have, like, varied backgrounds. Um, but aesthetically, we approach everything a little bit differently than a typical landscape designer or landscape architect. Um, we were not formally trained in landscape architecture. So I think we have like a little bit of a different lens, um, which I think is a good thing. And, and it's something that we bring to our clients every day because our background is in interiors, which we both went to school for interior design at FIT. And we've sort of been taught ergonomics and how people use spaces and how people function within their spaces, especially related to design. So it's given us a little bit of a different approach to designing things for the exterior. We sort of design the outside much like the interior of a home and the way that someone would use it. And I think that's why our work always comes off so differently and why people, you know, it's approachable and relatable because people really feel like, oh, this is, you know, a, a, it's not just a garden or it's not just some formal setting that is designed to look beautiful, but it's also functional to the person living in that space. James, I'm, I'm curious. I think that's totally true. There's this huge divide between the way people design for the outside and the inside. But why do you think it's taken this long for people to start taking that same sort of interior comfort style eye to the outdoors? I think that people have always been very challenged by their outdoor spaces and they think that it has to be this more formal, forward facing, you know, curb appeal sort of thing. And the trend now, especially with millennials becoming first time home buyers, is that millennials love to post their lives on social media. They love to live and enjoy spaces instead of having, you know, Nobody puts plastic on their furniture anymore. You know, like that's a very age old thing. It's everything is about much more being lived in. Um, and I think that that's finally translated to outdoor spaces where people aren't just looking at, you know, their 200 square foot backyard in Brooklyn as this like showpiece to show people. They actually want to use it because now during COVID also it's even, it's, it's become exponential. Everyone needs you know, to really access their, what little space they have. Um, so I think it's people are starting to realize that you can make your outside user friendly and enjoyable and not just have it be, you know, this statement piece for the rest of your house. What's the biggest mistake people make outside? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think it's. Tell us your worst nightmare, what you've wandered in on <laughs> and seen. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's so many. Um, the, I think that people get very overwhelmed very easily by if their space is too large. Um, and they don't really know what to do with it. Like a lot of people just put in a giant lawn or a giant patch of astroturf that sort of fills the space. And that's fine and beautiful. But I think that it's easier if you look at the spaces around your home. And this goes for like a, sub a suburban setting. In a city, it's very different because space is typically limited. But if you have a big backyard and you don't know what to do with it, we always say to start small right outside of the house because whatever you're designing and building, you'll be more likely to use it if it's super close to your interior space. So ah. oftentimes, when, yeah, oftentimes when we design, we're really like almost mirroring whatever is happening on the inside. So if you have, you know, a big kitchen and living room, like right off of your space, we sort of mirror that to the outside. So they become like two large rooms that really work in and outside of each other. Do you ever have to like tease out or embrace or even suppress the personality of your clients to translate that into a functional outdoor space? You know what's funny? We actually use the personality of our clients in, to get inspiration. It's probably our number one way of executing a project is, is just kind of like a informal interview process. Like on the first meeting, we'll really try to take toll. If, you know, we used to walk through the house, but now with COVID, we don't really get to do that anymore. It's kind of like, yeah, follow me out to the backyard. Um, so we always are looking at what's happening on the, in the interior, like what their styles and sensibilities look like, because someone could send you a Pinterest board that looks you know, a hundred percent different than what the interior of their house looks like. You know, people think they have a certain style and it may actually be something totally else. Um, right. You got to navigate ask, that, like, walk that tightrope with them a little bit, right? Like exactly. you think you're this way, but I'm going to yeah, design you for you how love... you actually live. It's actually a picket <laughs> fence that you walk. <laughs> exactly. and you don't yeah, want to trip on that. Fence. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so yeah, we always ask like, what do you see yourself doing in this space? Do you have kids? Like, and we sort of come up with this like percentage diagram. Like it seems like they'll cook 25% of the time. It seems like they'll want a fire pit 15% of the time. And you can sort of almost space plan around that percentage, looking at the yard square footage as like the hundred percent, you know, sure. so we sort of break it out based on that. And it actually is a is a pretty good system that works out really well. Is there one thing that kind of gives you the biggest bang for the buck in terms of upgrading an outdoor space? Well, I would say pools are not that. So that's a good answer to that question. Um, I am based in LA now and Garrett and Mel are in New York and we all still work together every day. But one thing is people always buy homes in LA here and they're like, okay, we're going to put in a pool. You know, it's going to add so much value. And so actually I think been researched that it doesn't really add much and it's a really big cost. So unless you're going to be a person that swims every day and loves the pool and entertains and wants that, I would always suggest not doing that right away because it eats up such a big part of a budget, you know, pools. Are, and, and it's the whole yard often. And it's yes. And space and it's the whole yard and there's so many codes that go with it. So if you want to transform a space um, and you know that you'll use it, 
you know, but you don't need a pool. I always like try to steer people away from that. But if you're going to um, do one thing, yeah, what's the one cool? Is it a fire pit or is it an outdoor fireplace or, uh, or plants? Um, I think dance that, floor. No, disco ball. I would. I mean, we always, you know, we most budgets go to the hardscaping of the project. Like that's really where a lot of the money falls. So, in you know, building out a deck or a new flooring or bluestone, and then. Pergolas always add a big budget. It's really hard to say one thing because everyone's space is so different. Um, but I think you can uh, re- focus on spaces that will be like if you have a whole green yard, you're not really going to put chairs out there or a couch. You know what I mean? Like you need something hard. So the hardscaping is it will determine how much budget you have for everything else. You know what I find interesting is your background was with Ralph Lauren, and uh, so you came from an obviously design background and are working with designers. But some of your clients include designers like Diane von Furstenberg or Calvin yeah. Klein, and so even they're intimidated by what to do with their backyards. Yeah, I mean those are our commercial clients, so we've done um, like their store spaces, so it's a little bit different, like bringing plant life to them. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we, we do have a lot of celebrity clientele and people that are design oriented and fashion oriented. I think because it's just so not natural for people to think about their outdoor space, like in a functional way. And that's why we get approached all the time by, by people in design and, and fashion that have a high level of taste, but don't know how to execute those outdoor spaces has there been anyone famous who surprised you by wanting to jump in and get their hands dirty and and sort of help out (laughs) yes um yeah one of our clients neil patrick harris he's like very very involved with his vegetable garden and you know uh his husband is a chef so they cook a lot uh and that's something that's always been really important to them um doogie's a digger gardening goes (laughs) yeah (laughs) james i actually guess what last year walked into an activation that you did with 1,000 living botanicals floating on a hill in the center of a room. (laughs) It was the St. Germain activation, and I had never seen anything like this. I'd never walked into a living, breathing space like that. (laughs) Can, Can you tell me about your work in installation, like event installation, and how you've been affected by COVID now because there are no events? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough subject to talk about because we were on this huge trajectory with all of our installation art. It really was becoming this beautiful aspect of our business, you know, because we look at ourselves as plant designers when it comes down to it. We do anything with plants and we sort of can create these amazing landscapes and atmospheres. And that was one of the most special projects we've ever worked on. And we actually, we did that project in July of last or 2019. It's like, I don't even know the year anymore. Um, and <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> then we did another, I know it's like, it's like, what, what is, yeah. Um, so we, uh, six months later, we did another project with St. Germain for Art Basel in Miami, where we did this huge tropical hanging disco ball thing for Gitano, um, which is a famous restaurant that we've helped um, design and work on that's based in Tulum and they build the 26,000 square foot space in New York. So those big, big events and installations and, you know, they garner a lot of press and celebrities and, and just having beautiful art installations that we create with our hands has kind of 
gone away for the moment because, you know, events are not safe to have right now. So we're like itching to get back into that at some point. We did do one, we did a little outdoor Day of the Dead installation for um, an art piece in New York over Halloween and people could just go and get photographed for it. And that was really fun. So we're sort of trying to figure out our like Lewis Miller flower bomb moments um, in the trash cans, you know, and what that is. Um, because yeah, we're just, I mean, everyone who works in events is just desperate to get their hands dirty again. <laughs> Have you ever had a client really use something that you've put in an installation in a very different way than you intended? Um, or have you ever had a client really ruin something that you that you spent a lot of time making? We didn't mean for yeah, a hammock I to mean, go between those two trees. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's always – so this is really funny. Um, I just finished a project here, a big project in Hidden Hills, and I'm trying to get it photographed. And I, and I keep telling the designers, like, when can we photograph it? When can we photograph it? Because you got to get in there right away as soon as you, as soon as your vision is complete and, you know, honoring the client's vision also. But we've gone back for places that we do maintenance or the next year we'll do, you know, like a light installation on top of something we already did. And it's always the, the level of weird things that have happened or like the sort of bastardizing of our project is, is funny. You know, I can't think of like one specific, but it happens. All the well, time. they live there. I mean, and they own. start to, they funk exactly. it up and their, their vision is going to be a little different than yours. I always thought the best show on HGTV or Bravo would be the one where the year after the flipper flop, you go back and see <laughs> right? what these people have done. And, and I want to bring up backyard envy because I, during the pandemic, I feel like people are spending more they're certainly entertaining outside more so have you had any kind of specific requests or challenges in during uh covid to remake or redo a, a backyard oh my god yeah the requests have gotten like out of control it's so i mean it's so funny like okay so every meeting we have every client wants an outdoor gym an outdoor place to teach their kids school a place to dine, a place to relax, m outdoor movie theaters, uh, outdoor Zoom call, office backgrounds. They're bulldozing the house to make room for everything in the backyard now. Yeah, it's crazy. And then, you know, of course, everyone wants a fire pit, a hammock, uh, you know, you know, some sort of water feature. So, yes, the the it used to be like living room, dining room, maybe outdoor kitchen. Like that was sort of, or, you know, in a, in a place to have a fire and relax. Now it's 10, 10 things. I would say every client has like a list of what they want to get out of their space, which rightfully so, you know, and somehow all these clients are now finding all these big <laughs> yeah, budgets to put into their homes. So I am not complaining. That's why you don't like pools. <laughs> so we'll spend that hundred yeah. grand in the someplace else in the backyard. Exactly. Exactly. Aside from the obvious, are there major differences between what people in New York are looking for and what people in Los Angeles are looking for? Yes. People in New York are much more direct and easy and, um, you know, their spaces are a little bit more limited typically. So they want like sort of the three to four standard things. Like I was saying earlier, like a living room, maybe an outdoor kitchen, maybe a fire pit and a place to have, you know, lunch, Monday cocktails or a dinner, like a table. Um, but in LA, there's a lot more, you know, people, people in LA have a lot weirder hobbies and interests and, you know, like I need my meditation zone. I need a place to charge my crystals. I need, you know, this, 
sort of area to have my full moon ceremonies. Like anything like that you can think of in LA is always happening. And then did you just say full moon have- ceremonies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, you, right. you wouldn't believe like, I mean, people are very, people are very different here. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah. And then, and then uh, the vegetable garden growing fruit, people love stuff like that here. So it can be a little bit more challenging because there's a lot more asks. You have a very strong relationship with um, the New York Botanical Garden and a, a tremendous involvement yes. there. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, we we um, we started a, a really close relationship with them about two years ago, and they're such an amazing and beautiful institution that is, you know, I mean, they're the Met of plants in America, basically, and they are so historic and keeping so much horticulture alive and present and they're trying to bring in this sort of youthful element because a lot of their donors and participants are on the older end of life so they're trying to youth it up a little bit um and we've thrown several events with them now back when we used to do events um and actually yeah right before covid we we did their whole orca dinner with jeff latham and it was so much fun and so great it was probably like three weeks before everything started to really shut down. And it's, that's the very last event that we did was with them. And um, Carrie, who runs the, she's the president of the garden now. She, they brought her in like two years ago and she's just fabulous and amazing and such a supporter of ours. So we like to, you know, give back with them and they keep hiring us for things. And it's just, yeah, it's been a really great beneficial relationship because we want to keep that institution going and alive it's basically you and martha stewart (laughs) (laughs) yeah but nobody calls her nobody calls martha a plant fluencer so congratulations (laughs) on that title who dubbed you that and and uh what what is your (laughs) what is your sort of profile on social media um yeah i mean i guess i i i guess we are you know plant fluencers uh, <laughs> that's just really <laughs> funny um you know having a tv show we definitely have created a profile for ourselves that is you know well known and people connect to it um it's so funny because we try to do little things to promote and keep the business relevant and we're actually doing this charity calendar right now and it just launched right before i got on the phone with you guys so we just posted about it you have to check it out on our social media manscapers and why and um garrett and mel and my social media uh, but it's really beautiful we did this really cool shoot and it's like very 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 social media driven and we got you know all of our guys to pose and girls and <laughs> it's very inclusive but it's also benefiting charities like so an adam and eve kind of a thing and and who does that benefit what charity we have 12 oh. charities so every month we're going to keep rolling it out like every month. So it's on pre-sale right now. So for um, January, you know, it'll ship out before January. It's a 2021 calendar, but every model, you know, uh, has a different charity. And those are all like, just some of them are like Alley Forney Center, Grow, NYC. Um, so, you know, we're doing LGBTQ charities and trans fund charities and uh also that calendar is not the only product you're developing right you're also going to be doing candles yeah so we have a um it's a product line that we've been working on for a few years uh and we're getting it more into production now so but yes it's an indoor outdoor line so it's very similar to our whole concept of bringing the inside out um and it's 
taking products that you would typically need for the outdoors, but having them in a way that are useful to an interior sense as well. So we have like a bug repellent outdoor candle that you can bring in in the wintertime, much similar to like that parlor palm story that I was just telling. Um, and then, you know, a, a bug spray, but it actually can be worn out at night, like when you leave, you know, so it doesn't smell and you feel like you have to take a shower because you're doused in citronella. <laughs> um, so it's things like that, that, you know, just have a little twist on something traditional that is needed for the outdoors, but in a more ergonomic and accessible space. Scott, maybe you should start with the candle and then go to the fire pit. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let's, yeah, let's, exactly. I'll yeah. work my way up. Um, I have a question. You mentioned a few times that bringing the outside inside in winter, is there a way to kind of extend your time outside the, the, the span of the, I mean, in LA, you don't have to, you can go outside in the winter, but, uh, in New York, it's a little more challenging. Is, do you have any ways that you're able to extend your use of your outdoor space uh, into the colder months? This is like the number one question and challenge right now for all New York clients because, you know, the lockdown is probably going to slowly start to happen again with COVID and people are really worried. And if you don't have the money to just up and leave and go to Miami for six months, it's like, what, how are we going to survive? So, yeah, I mean, there are ways, obviously it depends on how, I mean, I feel like New York is now becoming like sub tropical almost. <laughs> it's like, not it has it's changed like it the the winter is it's changed the 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 and it really in i would say in the past three or four years the climate has changed a lot i mean you can get 65 degree days in january um like randomly so obviously outdoor heaters is a big thing they're hard to come by right now actually we've been ordering a lot for our clients um i like the ones that are more hardwired like into the ceiling so they disappear a little bit and they're actually much more powerful and you just tap them right into your interior electrical grid um if you have like a nice awning those are great to put them on there keep your sofa right underneath there close are to those the house. like a thousand bucks um, a month so though james are they they those are expensive right because they're so inefficient um I don't think they're a thousand bucks a month, um, but they are, they are, you know, it's going to bring your bill up a little, a, a bit, I would say, but it's like, how often are you going to be out there using it? You know? Right. You can um, turn it on just when and, you're about to sit underneath it. It'll yeah. heat up almost immediately, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I think for most people, it's like you're going out to dinner bill could be a thousand bucks a month. And now that's probably not happening. So yeah. a lot of people look at that and they're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I would rather invest in this and make this space sort of winterproof. Um, we've actually done really cute greenhouses for clients in Brooklyn. So like a three-quarter lean-to greenhouse that connects to a wall or side yard. And then you can put a heater in that as well. Um, just because they're, you know, meant to retain heat and to hold that in for the winter time. Um, and that's a really nice place to just go and sit and hang out. It doesn't have to be gigantic. Um, so that's a great little way to like winterproof your space in New York City is either build a greenhouse around your terrace or your deck or actually physically install one or your fire escape the middle of your space. <laughs> hey, what's your yeah, back, exactly. what's your backyard look like? Are you one of those? physician heal thyself guys that if we went into your backyard right now it would look terrible oh god no my backyard is gorgeous um, <laughs> we just redid it <laughs> i because i Hold mean i live tongue. in la and 
Yeah. <laughs> I live in LA, so, uh, it's, you know, it's a very important part of life to actually have an outside. I have like a little outdoor gym set up in it right now, but I have people, you know, when I, you know, during non COVID, we have people over. Um, there's a really nice seating area. I have a fire pit. I have this sort of indoor outdoor room that's like, looks like Mykonos. Um, it's sort of a transition between the inside and the main yard, which is really nice. And we have dinner there. We're on our way. <laughs> James, I understand you're a yoga instructor also. Yeah. I, so Mel, actually my other business partner, she got me into yoga probably 12 years ago. Okay. Now, um, when we were broke and in college, I used to take her yoga class for free. And then slowly I just became an instructor. It was, it, I was actually. For a minute there, it was almost like a full-time thing. I was When I was designing on my own, before I started working for Ralph Lauren, it was all interior design and yoga teaching probably four to five days a week. I haven't taught now in probably about a year um, just because there's so much else going on. And like COVID, obviously, there are no classes. But yeah, it's still a big part of my life. I love to practice. And Do you feel like your yoga practice has influenced your design practice? Yes, um, for sure. I think that it gives me a lot of patience with clients, um, <laughs> for sure. And um, yes, I think, it, especially living in LA now, I, it, it's yoga is such a you know new age, spiritual, grounding, meditative practice, and so many people here claim to be that way. Um, that I think I can relate to to clients a lot better and, and what they really will want out of the space. And yeah, just, I think it helps with stress a lot and just coming at things in a sort of fair and balanced way. Um, so yeah, it's very helpful for my career. Yeah. That union of opposites idea of the inside and the outside feels like, uh, possibly related. And if you design a really, really nice yoga space, you can then teach there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just move in. Right. <laughs> right. When people think of the word landscaping, I think there is a vision of this masculine man dumping like cedar chips around a tree. But your totally. company is your members of the LGBTQ community and women and a woman. And so can you talk about that for a second? I love this question. I'm glad that you asked it because it is something that people always sort of either bring up or it's it's something that we're conscious of and something that we actually like like are proud of with our company because we are not your grandmother's gardeners we are not your typical landscaper man you know that drives a big f-150 although we do drive a big f-150 um <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's um you know it's something that's important to us that, that we can sort of let people know that we can do this also. It's a very masculine driven field. I think a lot of times when we show up on job sites and when we have crews building and contractors working for us, they do automatically think like, okay, these gays and this girl, like, what are they up to? <laughs> um, and we, and we've had to fight that like a lot weirdly. Um, and you know, just continue to prove ourselves over and over again. But, I think that people that have taste and understand design, actually it's the thing that's given us our edge because we can be trusted like to implement a beautiful design. Whereas maybe your Joe Schmo carpenter landscaper guy doesn't really know what's going to look 
great or pick the right finish of wood, you know, or pick the right beautiful stone finish, like, or, or design and soften a space with the proper planting instead of something just very typical. So I think that it gives us a leg up on everyone, even though we do personally sometimes have to deal with some issues with that. Yeah. Why did it take this long for the gays to get their hands in the backyard? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, gays are like afraid to get our hands dirty, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now it's all the rage. Everyone like, you know, when we started this years ago, it was like, okay, you guys are doing some gay landscaping company. Weird. <laughs> and now, like you said, it's all plant fluencers, like gays. <laughs> filling their apartments with plants and doing their vegetable gardens and building, you know, it's, it's something I think that gay people and women always have loved to garden for sure. Um, but now I think it's just more in the mainstream and, and part of, part of a narrative of, uh, creating beauty. You know, I think that it's, it's, it was this, when we started, it was this weird white space and untapped market of like, why is there no easy, beautiful way to design outdoor spaces. Why is this not more of a thing? And I get why it is though, because we've had to sort of fight to keep making it a thing and to be in that industry. It's very insular. So the, term, the term the uh, term manscaping uh has has multiple connotations. You called yourselves the manscapers. Yeah. Was that was the term manscaping around when you named that or was it coined after that point? It was around when we uh, had it. The company Manscaped, which is like a grooming thing, was not around. Um, and we always, people always get confused with them, but it's fine. You know, it's clear enough that we do something totally different. I think our original company idea, and you know, as we get into 2020 and inclusivity, you know, of course we've always rethought like, is this still appropriate? Is this weird? Um, is it exclusive of, of women, even though we have a feet where a feet where technically a female owned women led business. Um, you know, our original concept was to have hot guys garden for gay people in Chelsea. And because those were our friends and those were our clients and those were the people that we knew it was people that worked in fashion. It's like, well, if you're going to get your garden done, who doesn't want like a hot guy coming over and lifting your pots for you, you know? Um, and as we've gotten bigger and things have grown, obviously that's, you know, changed and shifted. And, um, so, you know, we'll see what the future holds, but we're going to keep our name for now. Hey, James, thanks for joining us uh, today on the Accutron show. Thank you so much, guys. On behalf of Cool Hunting's David Graver and Bon Vivant Scott Alexander, I'm Bill McCuddy for The Accutron Show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Accutron Show. To hear all our shows, visit AccutronWatch.com. For upcoming guests as well as behind-the-scenes action, follow us on Instagram at AccutronWatch. From the 29th floor of the Empire State Building, until next time, Accutron time. Set your tuning forks.